invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. So Numbers in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And maybe some of you are still keeping up with your Bible reading plans and have worked your way through Numbers, maybe somewhat recently. And here we're going to read uh, just a short passage um, where Moses commissions some spies to go out into the land of Canaan, the land that God promised to give them. And we're going to especially focus on verse 16 and what takes place there, specifically with Joshua. So Numbers chapter 13, we'll read just the first 16 verses. This is the holy and inspired word of God. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord. All of them men uh, who were heads of the people of Israel. And these were their names from the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zakor, From the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. From the tribe of Issachar, Egal, the son of Joseph. From the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, the son of Nun. From the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu. From the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Zodi. From the tribe of Joseph, that is, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi. From the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of um, Gamali. From the tribe of Asher, Sethor, the son of Michael. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Voshi. From the tribe of Gad, Geuel, the son of Maki. These were the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. We'll end our reading of God's holy word there. We're going to turn now to the catechism, Heidelberg Catechism. You'll find in the back of the hymnal we sang from. And we'll turn to Lord's Day 11 on page 876. The previous two Lord's Days dealt with our confession in the Apostles' Creed that we believe in God the Father, Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. And it took us through the work of God in creation as our Father and also his comforting work of providence as he governs and guides our lives at every moment of them. And now in Lord's Day 11, we move into that next article in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ. And it's going to begin to flesh out for us what we mean when we confess to believe in Jesus Christ. And this Lord's Day will take up the name Jesus. What does that name mean? And the next Lord's Day will take up uh, the title Christ that that, um, he is given. But here in Lord's Day 11, we think upon the name Jesus with two questions. I'll read uh, the question, question 29, and we'll respond together with the answer. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, meaning Savior? Because he saves us from our sins and because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. Do those who look for their salvation and security in saints, in themselves, or elsewhere, really believe in the only Savior, Jesus? No, although they boast of being his, by their actions they deny the only Savior, Jesus. 
Either Jesus is not a perfect Savior, or those who in true faith accept this Savior have in Him all they need for their salvation. So far from God's, our catechism, not God's catechism. (laughs) Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, what is in a name? It's interesting as you read throughout the Old Testament, names are often recorded for us and names are quite significant. And just to get to the point, names throughout the Bible are not just empty sounds and empty words and just titles that are given to to represent people, but rather names are meant to convey something about the reality of that person. Uh, Names are deeply significant as they speak to us about the reality of that person. And more than that, biblical names, as God names his people, they are, they are to be representatives of the reality that God will work through them. Names come to symbolize what God will work through his people. They're not empty sounds, but significant. For example, in our second service, uh, we've been working through the book of Daniel. And Daniel, again, I'm you know, slightly biased towards the name, but Daniel means God is my judge. And throughout the book of Daniel, you see that name working itself out. Nebuchadnezzar may put before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a fiery furnace as an instrument of judgment. But in the end, that instrument of judgment does not belong to Nebuchadnezzar, but to the God in heaven. Because that very instrument of judgment doesn't consume Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but instead consumes the soldiers of Nebuchadnezzar. Likewise, later, uh, the, uh, the, the law of the Medes and the, Purge, uh, of, and the Persians demanded that those who did not pray to the king must be cast into a den of lions. Again, the den of lions was an instrument of judgment before the law of the Medes and Persians. And yet, Daniel, who disobeys and, and rebels against uh, the law of the Medes and Persians, um, is cast into that Uh, into that uh, den of lions, but rather than the lions consuming him and devouring him, they leave him um, at peace. And it's, again, only the king's men, those who conspired against Daniel, who are consumed. All throughout the book of Daniel, we see the point over and over again that it's not the judgments of kings that stands, but it is the the God of Daniel, his judgments that stand. God is my judge. That name works itself out throughout history. Think earlier in Israel's history, the name of Jacob. Jacob is given that name as um, is given the name Israel because after he wrestles with the angel of the Lord, he is defined as one who wrestles with God. And in fact, Israel's history will demonstrate that over and over again as they wrestle with the Lord. And so, names throughout Scripture are significant, and it's why then when we read in Numbers chapter thirteen that after Moses had selected the heads of the tribes to go out and spy out the land, that we read that Moses called Hosea, who was from the tribe of Ephraim, he called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Now, we might read over that very quickly and just think, well, that's just a throwaway verse. We can move on to something more significant. But there's something deeply significant about this. Why does Moses take the name Hosea and and turn it into Joshua, which means my uh, my God saves or salvation is with Yahweh? 
Why, why, does God, why does Moses change Hosea to the name Joshua, whom we are much more familiar with? Because again, the name Joshua was to convey the reality that God would work through this person. Through Joshua, God would lead his people into the land that he had promised them. Through Joshua, God would lead his people into that promised land where he would dwell with his people. Through Joshua, he would lead his people into a land flowing with milk and honey, their inheritance from the Lord. And through Joshua, God would lead his people into the rest that he had promised them. Joshua's name is meant to convey that because as these spies go into this land, they go into the land that God is to give them, and they see that the land is filled with giants, the Anakim, these ancient people who were quite tall. And sometimes when I'm in a, a congregation full of Dutch people, I jokingly say it's probably all these very tall Dutch people um, in the land, the Anakim. And I don't know if they appreciate that, but there, there, there it is. But they find these very tall, very fierce, very strong people in the land. And ten of the uh, spies that go in see that, and in an unbelief, they fear and, and say, we cannot conquer this land. We cannot go in. The people are mighty and strong. But Joshua and Caleb come back and in faith say, let us go forth and see the power of God at work in conquering foes greater than us. He is the one who promised us this land. And so Joshua then is one from the outset who trusts in the Lord who, in whom is salvation. Joshua was one who who represented in himself the fact that salvation is not found in strength of arms, but in God. And it's God who would rout armies far mightier, far stronger, far more advanced than Israel. Joshua was to embody that very reality. And yet because of the unbelief of the other spies and the people who go after um, and, and believe their report, God does not allow that generation to come into the land. Instead, they waste away and die in the wilderness, including Moses, who does not bring God's people into the promised land. But fast forward 40 years now, God's word comes to Joshua and says to mobilize the people of God and to get ready. Because through you, I'm going to lead the people of God across the Jordan into the land to conquer city after city until this land is given to you for an inheritance. And so through Joshua, as you read about in the book that bears his name, the book of Joshua, we read about the great salvation that God works. Again, all that he promised to do, he does. He leads his people into this land through Joshua. He brings them to various cities like Jericho and Ai and others and conquers them. And through Joshua, he finally gives his people rest. He brings them into cities that they had not built. He brings them to enjoy the fruit of vineyards and gardens that they had not planted, all as a gift from their God. And the Bible often summarizes what Joshua brings them into, the salvation that is won for them through Joshua, as simply rest. Rest in the Old Testament sense of shalom, peace, wholeness, fullness, at ease and and rejoicing and enjoying all that God has brought them into. And so it's very significant then, and certainly not a throwaway verse, that we read, Moses called Hosea 
the son of Nun, Joshua. Yahweh saves. Now you might say, why are we spending so much time on the name Joshua? We've been, the catechism speaks about the name Jesus. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, meaning Savior? Well, the simple point is that Jesus is simply just the New Testament equivalent of the name Joshua. In fact, all that we've said about Joshua so far, all in terms of him bringing God's people into a land to see the salvation of their God, all of that was a foretaste, a shadow of what is found in a greater sense in the greater Joshua, namely Jesus Christ. Because Jesus' own name means that God saves, Yahweh saves. In fact, when Jesus is born, right, the angel comes to Joseph before his birth and says that you shall call his name Jesus. Why? Well, he gives the explanation. Heaven itself defines for us the name of Jesus and what is embodied in Christ and Jesus for us. Namely, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means Savior. As the Catechism says, because he saves us from our sins and because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. You see, the whole Old Testament, especially as you read the book of Joshua, Joshua was not in and of himself an end, but rather pointed forward again to that greater Joshua, namely Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. And when we speak of Jesus, we then recognize that it is not man who has given him this name. It's not as if the councils of the world, the United Nations, comes together at the birth of this child and says, what shall we name him? Right? It's not as if we could give Jesus his own name in order that we might begin defining for ourselves his mission, his purpose. And in fact, that is often what the world seeks to do. There was, um, in the 90s and even into the 2000s, and even into our own day, there was what was called the modern search for the historical Jesus. And they're all looking for the real Jesus because they no longer believed God's word in its wholeness to be inspired. And so they began looking for the real Jesus. Who is the real Jesus? Well, that pursuit was well summarized as people just looking down into a well and seeing nothing but their own reflection. Right? They looked for a Jesus, but they only saw themselves reflected. They saw a Jesus in their own image. A Jesus who fit their purposes, who um, furthered their agendas, who was really for them. But the fact that Jesus has been given his name not from man but from heaven means that heaven, God in heaven, defines his purpose and his mission. And that is to save his people from their sins. And so the name of Jesus testifies to the reality of sin. The name of Jesus testifies to the reality of our need to be saved and your need to be saved. And therefore, the name of Jesus, in, in, in confessing and assuming the bad news, also provides us with good news. Because it tells us that there is one who can save us from our sin. That there is one who can bring us into rest and into the land that God has promised. And that there is no other name in heaven or on earth by which man then can be saved. 
is not for us to define who Jesus is and what his mission is even today. It's not a matter of Jesus coming on our side and on our our team, but a matter of us submitting ourselves to his purposes. This is uh, pictured for us with Joshua in the Old Testament. As Joshua is soon to come against Jericho in battle, he's out at night and an angel of the Lord appears to him. And he asks this angel, this mighty figure, are you for us or for them? And the angel responds, no. Like, that's not the right question to ask. And Eddie's laughing. It's a funny answer, right? Joshua needed to learn in that moment that it wasn't a matter of, is the angel for us or for them, but are we for the Lord? And so, too, when it comes to Christ, everybody loves Jesus for the most part, at least a Jesus if they can coddle him, a Jesus that they can sort of manipulate in their own way. But the Jesus of Scripture, the true Jesus, is not for us to define. He has been defined by God. His name reminds us that there is salvation only in him. And therefore, the Catechism goes on to warn us, do those who look for salvation and security in saints, and so the Catechism here, of course, has the Roman Catholic Church in mind. To pray to saints, to trust in saints, we just had St. Patrick's Day, all of that fun stuff, and right, to, to think there's certain saints that will help me find things, certain saints that protect me in this, certain saints, we've, we've dishonored what God has done in naming our Savior, Jesus. Those who look for their salvation and security in saints, those who look for their salvation and security in themselves or anywhere else, do not, in the end, truly believe that Jesus is the only Savior. They've compromised the exclusivity that belongs only to him. As the Catechism says, no, although they boast of being his, by their actions they deny the only Savior. Either Jesus is not a perfect Savior, or those who in true faith accept this Savior have in him all they need for their salvation. And so we reject such things. Saints looking to ourselves, being our own saviors. And we don't do so to lose, but rather to gain. Because by doing so and looking to Jesus alone, we then recognize that we have in him all that we need for our salvation. There is nothing more. Christ is a whole savior, a perfect savior, a complete savior. And if you rest in him, then you will find true and full salvation. And it's this Jesus then who will lead us by his death and resurrection. He will lead us into the land of promise that God has given to us. Not one in the Middle East somewhere or the Near East, but rather one in heaven. He will lead us into a new creation. And he will lead us into that rest that God has promised to us. To join him in rejoicing over the works of his hands uh, forever and ever. And it's this Jesus then whom we confess to believe in. And every Lord's Day when we confess, I believe in Jesus Christ. We are confessing 
before this world publicly for all to hear that Jesus alone saves. And Jesus alone has saved me. And Jesus alone can save those around me. And so to confess the name of Jesus then also means that we are to be those who confess his name before this world, to be on mission, to make known to the world that there is no other name in heaven or on earth by which man can be saved than the name Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing to us the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, we acknowledge with great joy in our hearts that he is the only Savior, and that he is a perfect Savior, saving to the uttermost. Father, may we honor and worship him as such. And may we not look to ourselves or anything outside of ourselves, save him alone for our salvation. And may we not try defining Christ according to our own purposes or co-opting him for our own plans, but may we submit ourselves to him, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And may we rest today in the name of Jesus. And may we look forward with great joy to his return. Father, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.